0: fantasy football podcast called live in the stream comes to you each week streaming recommendations during nfl season it's not just tongue and cheek quarterback defense tight end
1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Living the Stream. I'm JJ Zacharyson, the late-round quarterback, and I'm joined by my lovely, lovely co-host, Denny Carter. Denny, what's cracking, man?
0: Uh, not much. You know, I was going to start the show off complaining about a subpar haircut I recently got, but then the fantasy guides took their vengeance out on you today so i think i feel like my hair situation will take a back burner for right now yeah. if you want to if you want to tell the people what what happened to you
1: so. oh my gosh what a what a day it's not only been crazy with work and at, over at number fire but like today we started the apex league yeah. which is a great a great league that you can sign up at over there uh and we'll you know we've tweeted we'll be tweeting out live draft results and stuff of this league. yeah so it's an expert expert league, a writers league, and in this league, uh, I had the ninth pick in the first round, and I decided that it would be a good idea to go after go after a guy that I really liked entering. Liked I, I say that in past tense now. By it, the way. Right, <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. That I was all about uh, entering the season, and that was Arian Foster. I was. I'm big on Arian Foster. There's a lot of reasons that I was big on Arian Foster that I'm not anymore. Because literally 15 minutes after I made the pick, after mind you, after I went on Twitter and explained yeah. why I made a, the pick, a passionate defense, a passionate defense as to why I made the pick that I did and the selection that I did, and I think that there were valid points. So some of the things that that you know, first of all, I'm I'm all like, I mean, I'm very sensitive with this subject right now because of what just happened. I <laughs> know. But I mean, but you have no idea how angry I was with every, oh, everyone could have seen that coming uh, when it, with with the Arian Foster tweets. That was easily the most frustrating part of the entire day, Were the people who, after the fact, talked about how Arian Foster is this injury-prone beast who we all should never draft in the first round after I, JJ, drafted him in the first round. But, I mean, it, it's kind of garbage, too. It's a really garbage point to make because... Well, I mean, he's been when he plays, he's been the most consistent running back in the entire NFL over the last 5 years in terms of top 24 performances. His rate of hitting a top 24 performance is over 83%, which is just absurd. It's that's that's beyond, I mean, that is literally top 5 rate every single year for the last 5 years when he's healthy. Obviously, the concern is that he's never healthy, and obviously that came back and bit me literally 15 minutes after I made the draft choice. But even last year when he missed 3 games, he had more top 12 performances than Marshawn Lynch. He had the same amount as Jamal Charles. And then in terms of top 24 performances, only Le'Veon, Matt Forte, and DeMarco Murray had more. And that was in 13 games. So even if you assume that he's going to play 12 or 13 games, which would probably be likely, you're not taking a zero for for Arian Foster whenever he doesn't play. Especially last year, it was pretty predictable when he wasn't going to be able to suit up. So... Putting that all together, I wanted to get a guy who had legit top three upside at the running back position, which is Aaron Foster. We all know that he does because you're playing – in a league like this, you're playing to, to just – you're you're going all out. You're trying to win. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I tried to do with Aaron Foster, and it, it bit me. So that was yeah. a very, very, very tough – Situation I would say
0: it was, a, it was a very tilting, very tilting experience for you. Well, I- the
1: other, the other, the, sorry to, the other thing too is that we did a five hour long dynasty mock draft or not mock, sorry, dynasty best ball draft last night with the Roto world guys yeah. and Arian, Arian Foster's on my roster. Oh man. So I kind of went in, I'm I, like, I'm going to compete this year in that league in that dynasty league and Arian Foster was going to be a piece of that because it's Arian Foster and this happens
0: um so yeah i i when you made the pick i was you know i don't know i'm a, i was a little iffy either way i i didn't really um you know didn't have strong feelings either way but uh and then i saw you you know talking with a, with a few writers and analysts on twitter about it and i was like oh i'm coming i think i'm coming around i'm coming oh, oh god oh no right, oh right oh geez He's first,
1: first, it was a slight, a yeah. slight groin injury, and yeah. then oh, oh, Arian Foster's groin is no yeah. longer attached to his right. body.
0: Right, it was, it was. Uh, he limped off the field. Uh, um, he may miss some time, meaning you know, like maybe this month. He may miss the preseason, he, and then it's into the regular season, maybe the whole season, right. surgery, whatnot. Um, and then, uh, and then, it was recently announced that he uh, passed away. So...
1: Right, yeah, he's actually dead now. Yeah. He's not living. Exactly. So that, I drafted someone in the first round today who died today. <laughs> that, that that happened to me today. And then the worst part, honestly, what was even worse was two hours after that all went down. Where, I mean, like, it's just fantasy football. Like, I can joke around about it. It's not that big of a deal. And, like, I, I joked about it. Like, I tweeted out all that stuff, and then I sent a tweet out that was attached to those tweets that said, this is awkward. Like, after it all went down. But... And like, it's whatever, like, I don't, I don't care. The thing that pissed me off most was two hours after it all happened, my, the power in my house, cause I work from home, the power went out. Yeah. I lost, I lost power right after, this like is, right after that happened. I
0: think, I think that was from the, um, you know, the crowd of people who told you <laughs> right. that, that, that drafting Arian in the first round was, was dumb right. because, uh, as, as we know, we take uh, results over
1: process always. Yes. Always, always do that. Yeah, so it was a uh an interesting day for me today to say the <laughs> least. So I, I then just took out all my frustrations on an Andre Ellington article that I posted on NumberFire.
0: so well I'm sorry I haven't seen that one. So what do you what are
1: you... I'm just I'm just not I don't I don't get the oh. I mean like I kind of get it. I just No, know I don't not. get it at
0: all. I mean,
1: yeah, I don't, I mean David Johnson's there. I think David Johnson's I I David Johnson's one of my favorite later round picks this year and I, I like you just you look at I mean, my uh, part of the frustration with with Andre Ellington is that I know we're going so far off topic right now, right? but it's that everyone's like, "Oh, but he had a foot injury. He had a 3.3 yards per carry. Oh, but he had a foot injury." So I looked at some of the advanced metrics that we have. He basically was he was in the bottom 18 out of the 530 plus, I think it was uh, 200 plus uh, attempt seasons by running back since 2000. He was in the bottom twenty. He was ranked eighteenth from the bottom in terms of per rush efficiency. And it's like, it's like you can only take that foot narrative so far. Like eventually, you have to say, hey, maybe he can't carry a, a full workload, and maybe this isn't what Andre Ellington's about. Maybe he needs to go back to carrying the ball one hundred and ten times, one hundred and twenty times a season.
0: Yeah, I, I think. I mean, he he gained weight to go into last year, and that's never a good sign because a it's an acknowledgement that. He's not naturally built for a workhorse role, and secondly, mm-hmm. there's a terrible history of, of running backs beefing up, and then
1: yeah, you want the opposite, right, right?
0: Yeah, and I mean, I mean, it just goes down down the list. I did a, an article for XN Sports last year. Uh, there there are basically no examples of a guy uh, balking up for a featured role and then succeeding, and right. that and that includes. Uh, a down season for Adrian Peterson when he when he uh, got when he got enormous before uh, a, a season. So.
1: Right. Yeah. So I mean, it's just like David Johnson is a bigger version of Andre Ellington. It's like why wouldn't they give him a lot of a lot of the looks in that backfield? And even if it's not him, it's just you know you shouldn't be all that optimistic about Ellington's abilities after last year.
0: Yeah. I I, I have to pat myself on the back just real quick because I so rarely do that. Really, I'm always beating myself <laughs> up. I'm gonna say that. Uh, my, my, the move I loved the most last year on my teams was dumping Ellington when I saw like what, what he was basically, which is a really inefficient guy who may get volume sometimes, but yeah. is not fit for the role that he was put in. And then, and then I, I, uh, I traded him for, for four set in a couple leagues, um, just because I just thought he was pretty much close to useless. And I still, I think yeah, I come through
1: nailed it, nailed it. Um, so today we're going to talk about uh, what we're what we're both pretty passionate about uh, just draft strategy in general so we're going to focus on 2015 specifically and kind of how drafts are unfolding in general like how tiers kind of play out uh, and then and then just kind of go back and forth and talk about it i feel like these off-season podcasts, we often just kind of, like, we just we just kind of rift and then we start talking about Jay Cutler and Matthew Stafford getting drunk together, <laughs> right. is, is essentially what these podcasts come down. Like, the people listening to these podcasts during the off-season are are most definitely our dedicated listeners, because there's no way you're getting anything out of it. Right. There's just no way. The only thing you get out of them is maybe having Look. A, a, an awkward conversation with your wife later that night yeah. when she asks what you listen to during your workday, and you, you, you tell her that you you listen to, to these two guys talk about how Alex Smith is, is, is Jesus.
0: You're right. You, I mean, you, you get entertainment and a distraction from the black void that is your life exactly. as, as nihilist Arby's would say.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic Twitter account. Um, so let's just kind of get things started. Uh, I have some questions. There's four questions that we'll talk about, but we'll get kind of deep into them. Um, So, and a lot of these questions are ones that I'm sure you get a lot too on Twitter. Uh, I get, I get these pretty often. Uh, The first one is, which draft position do you like best this year in snake drafts? And why is that the case?
0: Mm -hmm. I have to say that being at the start of a draft right now stinks. It just stinks. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, I think it's because there are so, you know, with, with, with Lady suspension, and with uh, kind of the ambiguity uh, among the top 4 or 5 running backs it's uh, uh god i feel like it's a no it's a no man's land i mean right. I, um uh i i much much prefer like in the apex league i was really happy having the 11th uh mm-hmm. the 11th pick out of 12 so um give me the bottom of the draft every time but you know that's usually how i feel um uh because it's at that it's at that point where you can you know boom boom grab two guys, I sound like Darter boom boom, um, <laughs> grab two guys, uh, you know uh, either you know two running backs or two really good receivers. I mean at the bottom of, of the first you can you can get Megatron and Joydy right off the bat.
1: Yeah, I I I totally agree, and that that's something. I mean I was really excited about having the ninth pick too because it's towards the back. But then I drafted Arian Foster who then later died, but. <laughs> I the the thing I mean you nailed it with with it being kind of the back half this year because you look at the you look at the top running backs right I think that you could probably assume that Le'Veon Adrian Peterson Jamal Charles Eddie Lacy are all in their own kind of tier mm-hmm. right but I don't I don't think that the drop off maybe outside of Le'Veon just be, because of what he could potentially do on a week to week basis but because of his suspension I don't think that you can really I mean, you can the, the next group of running backs—the Marshawn, C.J. Anderson, uh, um, it used to be Arian Foster, Demarco. Those guys, you can make a legitimate case as to why they could be the first overall back taken. You can you can actually say like make a make a case for C, even C.J. Anderson yeah. to be That's- to be the, you know a, a top three running back selected. And what you're doing there, you're getting potentially two of them, which is just insane. But then, like you said, if it's a if it's a running back heavy draft. You're now guys like Julio are dropping to you, and these guys who have a lot of upside at wide receiver, who um, you know, you know are, are, are guys who are huge at the wide receiver position because you're drafting them for that weekly consistency. Yeah. So I think uh, you know I, I think the back end is definitely good. The one thing that I would say though to that is that if you're in a casual league and people are drafting uh, quarterbacks early, uh, if if Andrew Luck is a first-rounder and Aaron Rodgers is an early second-rounder, for instance. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a case to be made that you could be lucky and fortunate by drafting someone like Eddie Lacy at Mm 1.04 and then getting a guy like A.J. Green in the second.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's a great start. I'm talking about, like, the first pick. To me, that's the worst.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I totally agree with that. I mean, you... A lot of people are really into the two, three turn, uh, just because you can, you can probably land it like a, like a Mike Evans, Lamar Miller type combo, um, which, you know, nothing wrong with that. I know you love Mike Evans.
0: I, um, yes, I love, I, I mean, I, I would, I would take him in the, if I, if I was in, if I had the 12th pick, I would take him with one of those picks to start off.
1: Right. Like, yeah. Depending on like draft flow and all that kind of stuff I'm assuming mm. right. Or, or where, where do you have Mike Evans ranked this year?
0: uh well the, my the equity scores i have on um on the fake football uh i have his his ceiling at, at wide receiver 5 um yeah. so i i not i don't have rankings right now i not yet but um i, I, I legitimately think that he's uh, a top 5 uh, candidate pretty
1: yeah. okay.
0: pretty pretty reasonably
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, like, he, he definitely has that upside. So, but, like, the thing is, like, I understand, like, the 2-3 turn allure, but I think that that, like, three, like, if you're getting two running backs in the first three rounds, the, for instance, in this, in the Apex League, while we were doing, just now, doing this podcast, uh, I was I'm very happy that I ended up, so, like, CJ Spiller dropped me in the, in the, towards the end of the third, mm-hmm. which I'm happy about, because I needed to look for, like, some interesting upside in some way, because of the Arian Foster injury um but there are running backs that sometimes fall into that third where like I don't I don't see a, a humongous difference in tier of what you get because essentially in the early third round you're choosing between or you're basically start if you're going running back for instance you're starting that next tier and what you really want to do in fantasy football is draft a guy at the bottom of every tier because you're gaining the most value that yeah. way so you know I think that because of that the, the beginning of drafts just it doesn't doesn't do it for me
0: yeah, I mean, there's just I think if if Bell were to not miss any games at all, then that number one pick would seem a lot, right. a lot better, a lot more appealing.
1: Yeah, totally. All right, so we know, we know draft spots. Uh, the second question, so through the first five rounds, let's say, what do you think? This is we can talk both best ball. I'll I'll probably just throw best ball out there, but. What do you think your team composition is going to look like in 5 rounds? How many wide receivers, how many running backs? I'm assuming no tight ends and no and no quarterbacks. Yeah,
0: it right. Um I mean I, I would I I would take uh, Aaron Rodgers uh in the 4th or 5th round if he's there. Just Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's never there, so that there's no point in talking about it. Um uh but for me after 5 rounds, I I would say that I usually have um I mean, right now, honestly, I usually have three or four wide receivers and one running back or two running backs. Um, uh, in the Apex League, I took a little different approach uh, because I know how these leagues go, and uh, I've been—I've I've gotten stuck in these kind of expert leagues where um, there are really sharp picks early on. Uh, so I actually started with Marshawn and uh, and Demarco Murray uh, at the at the eleven uh, spot. Yeah. In the first round, it was a
1: great start. so that yeah,
0: I mean, I really, I, I really like that, um, uh, and I'm probably a lot higher on DeMarco than than a lot of people, but um, like I, I don't think it's crazy to draft DeMarco as the first running back off off the board. So, you know, I felt like I got some value there. Anyway, I'm I'm taking a different approach there, and so my wide receivers are probably going to be weak in that league. But usually, uh, I I end up you know going. I've gone back to back wide receivers a lot in the first two rounds.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I mean the thing the thing with wide receivers that I, I like I think that what's really important in season long as compared to like a best ball league. So like it, because I, I you, I'm not I'm not just trying to like force the best ball narrative into this podcast just because I want to talk about best ball leagues. But like with those best ball leagues, I'll generally own four running backs in the first five rounds. Given what we know now and how important okay. it is that. That you can't use the waiver wire, right? So, and you kind of need that stability from the running back position, given the but how much the bust rate changes as you move through the draft. So it's important to just kind of to 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 get those those assets. Uh, But in season long, I'm so much more okay with going elite quarter or elite wide receivers early, and it's not really about like a value equation. It's not about the fact that this wide receiver is giving you so many more points than the the 24th ranked wide receiver the value based drafting approach it's more about the idea that the wide receiver position is volatile and we know it we know it's volatile and whenever you get those elite wide receivers you're basically having an easier time predicting who to start and sit every single week because you're throwing a very predictable guy into a very volatile position rather than playing yeah. these Random number two wide receivers on teams that might not see a lot of volume week to week, and you're just kind of guessing.
0: Yeah, I, well, running back it, it comes rounds into form so late in the summer, right? So, right. so right. that's that's why uh, with loading up on uh, short fire running backs, you know, like exactly. like Arian Foster. I'm just playing with you.
1: Uh,
0: oh, man. Uh-huh. Um, you know, early on in best ball, that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the the running backs. Now, running back ADPs swing dramatically in the last week or two of August because yeah, exactly. a there's preseason stuff going on that camp battles are being resolved. There are, uh, uh catastrophic injuries to people. So uh, the, 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 that position just comes into form so late. So right now, uh, since the, you know, this apex draft that we're talking about since this is early August and, that the position is so shallow it's but it's always shallow right now it's always always shallow right now um and and it gets much deeper later but right now since since i i didn't know you know i don't i can't you know predict the future um um unfortunately uh unlike draftdayconsultants.com if you want to check that out um, nice. <clears throat> anyway uh, so that's why i went running back running back there
1: yeah, I mean, it, you're, you're totally right. It's, it's the information that we have and what we know right now is just a lot smarter and safer to, to go after those running backs, which, like, for me personally, like, i i I've been mixing it up in season longs. So, like, I'm trying to spend on a running back like Arian Foster pre-death uh, versus – in then in the next round get – because I got Calvin in the second round. I, you know, basically the rest of my draft in that league is going to be looking for guys who could potentially be – Top, close to the top of their position, like not like just just ignoring floor for the most right,
0: part. Right, so Terrell Pryor types.
1: Terrell Pryor types, yeah, exactly. Uh, so you know, I, that's that's why I went after Calvin, even though he obviously has health issues that people are always worried about now, uh, and his his age. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like I, I think that in general, as you move, t- you're going to become more comfortable and more confident with your running back picks. The problem is is that we become confident, but then we become overconfident, and we don't look at historical bust rates those posi- at those at the running back position specifically. I mean, really, the, the problem here is that a lot of the data that I've looked at at least shows that after the first two rounds of drafts, uh, I mean, the top six running backs historically have been pretty good in terms of bust rates, and then you get to that next tier, but then the next tier after that is really where, which is generally, let's say, the third round. Is generally where third and fourth round. That's generally where things start getting a little sticky. If you're relying on a, a, an RB two, let's say, in the late fifth round, according to some of the bust rate work, you're really looking at similar bust rate as you would get in the seventh or eighth round. It, it's it's not a tremendous difference unless someone obviously drops to you or something like that. But uh, so because of that, if you're if you're not going zero RB, let's say, it's smarter to just load up on those backs, uh, you know, in the first four rounds before you get into that fifth round where things can become a little shaky. And we're seeing that this year. I mean, I don't know how many drafts you've done, Denny, but the fifth round is really where things, the middle of the fifth, late fifth, that's where things start to get pretty questionable. There are guys that are being drafted there that could easily be drafted in the seventh round.
0: Yeah, if not later.
1: Yeah. If if not later. I mean, you just, you don't feel comfortable drafting any of those guys in the late fifth round, which I guess is kind of the downfall of of draft of having a pick at the you know the late first into the early second but you know you really should look at those stars if you will or those elite players look at that as as a much bigger uh asset to your fantasy team obviously but I'm just saying in general you know it's it's why the stars and scrubs approach works in auction drafts is because the you know obviously a snake draft is linear right it's you're just it's it's one by one by one by one and it's it's gradually dropping at the same rate but that's not really the way that fantasy scoring works or the way that fantasy fantasy works in general. It's not a linear relationship between all these players. So once you get into the, into the fifth round, you shouldn't say, Oh, I don't like a late first pick or an early second pick that turn because of what happens in the fifth round, because the fifth round is really not that much more valuable in fantasy football than the seventh round.
0: Yeah. I I just, I see a lot of variance happening in the fifth and sixth rounds, really. Uh, um, You know, Guys, who I see, like, wow, that was a great value, or like, oh my god, that was, that was the biggest reach I've ever seen. Right. Um, but right. that, but that, you know, that's that's the thing with early August. I mean, is there much difference between right now and early July as far as what we know about roles and players and teams and schemes? I mean, there, it's, right. it just doesn't come in. It just doesn't come into any kind of reliable form <laughs> or shape until. Until late August, until right. probably the second preseason, third preseason game.
1: I mean, that's why, that's why you're finding so many uh, – it's, it's strange. That's why you're, you're seeing so many guys who are doing high-volume MFL 10s, for instance, mm-hmm. drafting older wide receivers and, and feeling good about them because those guys, those veterans, are locked into some sort of role no matter what, mm-hmm. whether it's an Anquan Bolden or Steve Smith or um, even a Marcus Colston. who Marcus Colston isn't very good anymore. But no. he's he's locked in for at least probably a hundred targets in that offense without Jimmy Graham, without Kenny Stills, sure. and, and and you're getting him in the tenth round. It's just it, you know there are players like that you that you you know when you're drafting this early that you kind of need to 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 have because otherwise you're you're banking on on things that that just don't exist yet. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah,
0: I mean it's 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 a, I mean. A team that looks great right now could look like hot garbage in two weeks, yeah. Um, just just because of uh, things that are out of your control. I mean, you just you just don't. know, Which is why you know. I mean, if you can if you can help it at all, don't have your drafts in in like you know early earlier mid August. I mean, that's 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 tough. That's tough, especially if you're if if it's like a casual league. You don't want to make people go through that. <laughs>
1: right yeah i mean especially because i mean like some of your players could die
0: i know i mean we're talking about we're talking about players actually um passing away and and uh i think that you need to attend you know the funeral
1: no definitely not marion foster (laughs) there's there's that's like the last place that i want to be right now
0: i mean you did it so
1: (laughs) yeah that's true i don't know what to say um, all right, so let's let's move on to what a lot of people listen to this podcast for specifically is with the streaming recommendations and so on based on the opposition matchup. Here are your podcast hosts, JJ Zacharyson and Danny Carter. Live in the stream. Hey. So we get this question I all the time. This is this is like the one that I get specific. I mean, just because of the book and all that kind of stuff. So. I get the question, what round do you target your quarterback, and how do you think about the and well then, as a follow up to you Denny, how do you kind of think about the position this year specifically
0: about quarterback
1: yeah, just about you know i mean you can answer you can answer how how do you approach the, here let's just say how do you approach the quarterback position i mean if, when, when you're doing this
0: if play? if things are kind of clicking along um you know per adp then I sort of just sit back and and don't really think about quarterback until. Until I have to have one, you know. Right. I mean, I, I keep an eye on, on, on guys that I particularly like in the late rounds. Um, and try not, I try not to get too cute because that's easy. I mean, I think we've all been in a situation where we're like, you know, if we, okay, say like if you really liked Russell Wilson last, you know, I don't know, last like late July, early August before he was like a name people were talking about as a potentially elite guy. Mm-hmm. And you could get him in the tenth, right? So you get to the tenth, and you're like, uh, "I think I can. I think I can push this one more round. I can put, And then you lose out on them, and you know you're stuck. So anyway, you know, I try not to let that happen. But um, but really, I mean, in, if things are going along by ADP, I'm okay waiting until. I mean, you have you have guys going. You have Alex Smith going in the fourteenth round.
1: Right, yeah, I mean, you so, can you can wait forever, it's just a matter yeah. of, I mean, I, let's say this, are you approaching, are you now, because I, I think things have changed, you know, whenever I first wrote the book, I think that the way that I approached it, and I believe you did too, was still to, to go after that quarterback that could become an every week guy, because... Basically, because of like a Matthew Stafford in twenty eleven. Yeah, right, right. And So I think that's kind of the way that I was, I had always approached it. But are you now looking more? Okay, I'm going to look at early season schedules and I'm going to stream this guy and I'm just, I'm just going into it streaming.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's, that's how I approach most, you know, most leagues, uh, um, depending on format and scoring and stuff. But but uh, the borderline guys for me are Eli and Ryan Tannehill. You know, those are guys who I think. Even even at their slightly inflated ADPs could be uh, could be great values in the they're both going well. Let's see, Eli's going at the very end of the seventh, and and Tannehill's going in the middle of the eighth right now.
1: Right, but they can always drop because that's the average, so they're going below that. Yeah,
0: so drops. I mean, if I see Tannehill in if I see Tannehill in the ninth, I I think I take them there. Um,
1: yeah. Same yeah. with.
0: Same with same with Eli. Uh so so you know those are guys I have my eye on. Other guys I have my eyes on obviously. Um uh I've talked about Joe Flacco um uh but also uh Colin Kaepernick which the hate for Colin Kaepernick has reached absurd levels.
1: It really has. Uh, it really I, has.
0: I mean let's 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 relax let's breathe a little bit. I mean people talk So if people on Twitter talk about Kaepernick like he's like he's this uh uh you know uh, unfixable, disastrous quarterback project like like Tebow. Right,
1: I mean, right. That's I know. it's insane. Like Tebow, it's insane. It, just a couple of years ago, he was fine, and now, yeah. just oh, well, I mean, two years ago, Ron Jaworski said that he was going to be the best quarterback ever. I mean,
0: I was kind of with him. I honestly, I thought he would change the game. I thought he would. So, yeah. anyway, Colin Kaepernick's available in the in the middle of the eleventh round. So. Um, it's he's super cheap and people hate him so much, and people were hurt by him so much last year that I think you can just really capitalize on other people's fear uh, and hatred of of kaepernick really
1: that's a very very i mean i think that's a good upside play too because you're getting you're getting a guy who's now behind a very bad offensive line who is going to be able to run the football and you get that konami yeah. with him so i mean i think i think i honestly i, I don't mind him as a later on quarterback pick i mean like like the one thing that i like I always stress with people and I'm actually I'm gonna be in Atlanta on Saturday with the daily fantasy boot camp that al Zeidenfeld is doing uh, and i'm I'm gonna be talking about quarterback selection in daily fantasy but I'm starting it all off kind of talking about how uh the season long landscape trans translates to, to the dFs landscape because really there's a lot of things that you, you and I have learned, or that other people hopefully have learned too, about the season-long landscape that translates to the daily fantasy landscape. Like the fact that middle-round quarterbacks are generally completely worthless yes. in terms of fantasy point, and in, in terms of season-long fantasy, because they're completely replaceable. Like Matt Ryan is the perfect example of this. He every single year is drafted as like a QB eight, QB nine. This year he's QB five to seven, but he's never finished higher than a QB seven. Like he's he's the definition of of safety, sure, but it's, that's not value. There's a big difference between safety and value, and that's what I try to try to stress to people, even about elite quarterbacks. But yeah, I mean, like you know, in general, I, I will be honest though, there are two spots in a draft, just the way that the drafts typically go. This is a standard draft, regular draft, twelve teams, let's say, you know, nothing crazy, but the way that drafts generally go. If an elite quarterback if an Andrew lucker and Aaron Rodgers somehow fall into the fourth round mm-hmm. that's that's when I legitimately first start checking which quarterbacks are available I, I just I do a, a quick check in the fourth round to see where they're at again this is not like a this is not a strict like uh, code that you need to follow this is just something that I've always done based on the bust rate stuff that I've uh, that I've done over at number fire uh and based on some of the other research that I've done, typically that's the fourth round is where some of those bust rates start to get a little bit more out of whack where you might want to get an elite quarterback if they're there. But if they're not then you're just and, and you go for a quarterback in the fourth round, you're just reaching for a replaceable asset. Right. Right. But then once I get and you nailed this with, with Tannehill and Eli, once I get into the eighth round, that's another time where I just generally look and take a peek at what kind of values there are. Again, tiers are going to be a little bit different year to year. But at the same time, fantasy football doesn't change so dramatically every single season that uh, that this is going to be that much different, say, in 2016 as it is in 2015. So the fourth round and the eighth round are really two places based on the way things just generally go. It's, it's, it, I mean, this is so not mathematic other than the bust rate stuff, but just the way things generally go. And, and not only that, there's there's the, the eighth round is when the 12th quarterback gets selected in fantasy drafts. Uh, on average so and, and that's that's now changing a little bit uh just because people are waiting more the 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 masses are waiting longer on quarterbacks but that's generally where you can get that last starter and and nowadays that last starter is becoming so valuable that he that there are so many options that could end up catapulting to top five quarterback play like ben roethlisberger last year perfect example
0: uh, uh where are you taking Peyton? If he's available, I mean,
1: yeah, so, so, I'll, so, like, in these MFL 10 leagues, uh, you know, quarterbacks are a little bit more devalued because you, de- I mean, you don't have to play a guessing game whatsoever or any sort of streaming game, even though it's not that difficult to, um, you know, Peyton, I owned a lot of Peyton, a decent amount of Peyton, and I've gotten him in the eighth round, and that's where I'm comfortable taking him.
0: Yeah, I was going to say seventh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I think that people need to adjust their thinking on. On Peyton a little bit this year. I, I mean, from what I understand, it's not, it's not going to be the, um, you know, pass happy approach that we've seen the, the past two seasons. Um, uh, so you know, I, I think, I think seventh or eighth is fine, but, um, I think gr- grouping him with Rodgers and Luck, I think is, is not, not correct this
1: year. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and just to stress the point further, I mean, the late round quarterback. The idea behind the late round quarterback is not about a game of chicken. It's not about waiting as long as you possibly can to draft your quarterback. It's all about value. And it's just given the way that, that drafts go in fantasy football, the value ends up being in the late rounds. But that doesn't mean you just wait forever to get your quarterback. That means that you have to play the value game. I mean, that's that's something that I stressed I mean, from the, probably the, one of the very first lines in the first book that I did, I would assume. But if i if i recall correctly well, you were, but you
0: were blackout drunk when you wrote the book. I,
1: was, I was partially yeah exactly i would come home from work and i would just just get black out and then i'd just start writing the late round quarter hey,
0: i don't know how else how i don't know if people assumed it otherwise but
1: i did i did actually did it in the dark and i even dimmed my computer monitor so that i was just writing into a black screen and then poof oh man that's so deep oh yeah it was it was fantastic <laughs> so but like the the you know, like it—it's it, not a game of chicken; it's a game of value, and that's a very, very important thing to remember. And I, because you know, especially new followers, I'll, I'll see in my Twitter, in my in my mentions, I'll see like, oh, this person just followed me, and instantly after he follows me, he said, "I got my quarterback in the fifteenth round," and it was Carson Palmer. And I'm like, that doesn't—that doesn't do it for me. Like that's not—that's not the way this works. Yeah, it's—it's you know, it's, it's not. Well,
0: I, I think that any any conversation about fantasy football that doesn't instantly and predominantly include price the price of a player is is misguided you know i mean we we can we talk on on twitter all the time about guy's potential and this and that and what what he's good at and what he's not good at but a lot of times the person's average draft position is not mentioned at all and that's that's the most important like you know that's that's the that's the thing like with with our with our Gronk situation, which is probably the name of my next book. Our Gronk situation <laughs> um, is um,
1: my, Gronk situation. my Gronk situation.
0: Is that you know? Yeah, I mean, like no one is saying he, he's bad, right? Okay, it's not. That's not it. What we're saying is he. You have you have to spend your first round pick on him. You have to, right. in order to acquire him. Okay, so price is for is foremost in our minds and so every fantasy conversation should involve price up front immediately not not as an afterthought
1: right exactly exactly so okay so we just talked we just hit on quarterbacks i think we 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 spilled some secrets lots of secrets so (laughs) let's talk about tight ends so are you do you feel differently about the tight end position? number one, do you feel differently about the tight end position than you do the quarterback position? Where are you targeting tight ends and then maybe just throw out a couple guys and we can talk we can talk about specific guys, because I think that it's really important to talk about like where we would value a guy like Kelsey or Graham and so on and so forth so just kind of vomit just mm-hmm. just just exorcist vomit tight end stuff on here um, <laughs> well uh. <laughs> Someone needs to, someone needs to make that into a into an MP3 that I can just yeah that that's what that's what I'll send to people whenever they message me and say hey I got Carson Palmer in the fifteenth round aren't you proud yeah. yeah exactly yeah someone make a someone make a uh, uh, an MP3 of that
0: yeah you know tight end uh, usually shapes up like go big or go home but the Kelsey and Graham are in a we, a really weird space right now right yeah I I, I mean like like really strange because. Graham is out there talking about how he's going to block 75% of the time. <laughs> he's like he's like a ter- he's like a legitimately confirmed awful terrible blocker. So right. I don't I don't even know what he's talking about and and then they and they paid all that, you know, they 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 paid all that money so that he can and that trade you know, so that he can block. I mean, I don't get it, but anyway. Uh so he's going, I mean, I I've seen him go into the fourth round. Um, but I still I would take Kelsey over Graham if they were both available in the fifth. I would too. Yeah, and and, and I I explained that on, on in an article on the fake football. Um, but but you, part of it is your article on Graham, your piece on Graham in Seattle's offense, really mm-hmm. influenced me um, because you know people might say, but but Jimmy Graham's ceiling, you know the, mm-hmm. they would point to, but I think that you did a really good job of. Debunking that by saying, look, unless Seattle's offense changes dramatically, unless basically unless Seattle becomes New Orleans West, Mm -hmm. uh, he he can't. Achieve the kind of ceiling that he had in New Orleans. He just can't. Uh, right,
1: um, right. He 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 needs. He basically would need a twenty five percent market share, which he might get. I mean, he might get their target share. He might get that not, in, not, in that office. Yeah, not only but, that though, he would
0: need to be if efficient right. than he's ever been in his whole life.
1: Exactly. He needs to be more efficient, and now he's playing with a quarterback who. Look, everyone talks junk on Drew Brees' season last year. Drew Brees was still f- great last year. He had, like, three bad games that are being emphasized more than... Th- it's just, like, Drew Brees was fine last year. He wasn't a bad quarterback last year. And and people think that... I mean, going from Drew Brees to Russell Wilson is is, is not good for a tight end or a wide receiver. It's just not. Yeah. I mean, Drew Brees is better than Russell Wilson at throwing the football. This is not uh, hard to understand. So you're losing efficiency from the quarterback position. You're going to naturally lose – so you're naturally going to lose efficiency from uh, from a receiving perspective. So, like, there's so many things. His his, his pass routes are probably going to go down. They're going to run the – foot. he's going from one of the most pass-happy to run-happy teams. I mean, there's so many things. The red
0: zone stuff. The red zone run. The, the red
1: zone stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now he, he's going from a team that lacked red zone – that that basically – had had no other red zone threat outside. I mean, Mark Ingram isn't even that fantastic of a red zone threat. They just feed him, and he's they're going from that to now having Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson, two of the best running rushing threats in the red zone in the NFL. I mean, there, there's a lot of reasons that, and they don't they just haven't thrown the ball in the red zone. There's just a lot of reasons that that to be down on on Jimmy. Sorry, I just got pretty passionate.
0: No, no, it's it's a I think it's a valid uh, I think it's a valid argument and. uh uh, I got a lot of heat on Twitter today for for saying that um, that I I think that Kelsey has the tight end one in his range of outcomes, which mm-hmm. it, it's subjective. I mean, I'm not saying he absolutely could be number one, and it's because I say so. I mean, that, that I'm just telling you from from my projections and and his median and high um, equity score. I that that's something that I'm I'll I'll, I'll stand by. I don't think that. I don't have Jimmy Graham as having that in his range of outcomes. I just don't. Right. So um uh but yeah, so as far as how I approach the draft, I'm taking Kelsey in the fifth, which I think that's where his ADP is right now. Yeah. Um uh and and but after that I am well I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting and waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Donald, I'm waiting for Eifert. Um um, a couple, of, uh, possibly Jordan Reed, if he's still upright and 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 able to walk by the end of August. Yeah. Um, so you know those guys are going super late. Um, uh, oh, I, I I would be remiss to say Jordan Cameron to to miss out on Jordan Cameron, who is going in the eighth round. And I I I really think I mean you have the concussion thing, which which I know scares people. I I don't know. I don't know if I can. If I can say, you know, I'm not drafting this guy because he's had concussions, but right. he's going five rounds later than he did last year. Okay, five rounds later, he's now in a better offense. He's now has a much much better quarterback, uh, and he's uh, the coaches are talking him up as a guy who could be a, a a major centerpiece of of a of a potentially explosive offense. So, right, so so he's going five rounds after. He was when he was at Brown and he had, was in a crappy offense and he had the worst quarterbacks throwing to him.
1: It's amazing what a year can do like that. I mean, like, like what. It's literally concussions and, and such that. I mean, Jordan Cameron was like a third round pick last year. That's what,
0: fourth round, yes.
1: Yeah, it's insane. I mean, he went even earlier in a lot of expert drafts too because people were very, very high on him. And I think. I think another thing to note, though, too, is that I would feel, and I think you would probably feel the same way, because quarterback streaming is so much easier than tight end streaming, that going going for a tight end, y- even if it's a Kelsey, if he drops, or if you feel comfortable where where the tiers are kind of lining up in your draft, getting a tight end is much more, I, I understand it a lot more than getting a quarterback I, early. I, I do,
0: too, because I'm not, yeah, we, we've said it before, we'll probably say it a lot this season, tight end streaming is tough action i mean right that, especially
1: especially if you don't end up like like you know last year we were like kelsey 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 this year you know there's something like eifert we like a lot and stuff like that and some of those guys become full-blown tight end ones but especially if you can't get that at the beginning of the season like it's it gets really tough out yeah there. Pin,
0: pinning down quarterback matchups and defensive matchups are much easier i think i think everyone would say much easier than tight end matchups and that's because of the lack of opportunity for tight ends and the dependence on touchdowns and, right, exactly. and touchdowns are fickle you know i mean right. it's they just are
1: yeah especially whenever you're not the you know quarterbacks have the large sample size each week they're throwing it 28 29 30 plus times as a floor so you have a larger sample size therefore it's easier to predict yeah whereas tight ends it's the opposite yeah exactly so all right i think that pretty much does it for the the, the bulk of the content on the podcast we have a ton of questions then all right let's do it from the twitter machine remember everyone if you're not following us follow us at live the stream ff on twitter yeah
0: you're you're, by the way like generally if you're listening to this you're not you're still not following that account and i don't understand so i mean like i said jj put two years of his life into making that account
1: Two. it has
0: the greatest masthead in the history of fantasy (laughs) i mean i mean really i mean it is it is a great message because it's saying uh, you know, every every other mass head in, in fantasy is it's Gronk, it's it's freaking uh uh Aaron Rodgers, it's Aaron it's Andrew Luck. We have Alex Smith and Niles Paul.
1: Yeah, we have the, the lineup is great actually on the it's uh And Jared Cook. Yeah, it goes it goes Eli Manning, Geno Smith, Ryan Fitzpatrick, which we might have to update this yeah. because yeah, yeah. because they're on the same team. Though. Yeah. <laughs> um Alex Smith, Jared Cook Owen Daniels, Niles Paul, and Scott Chandler. Yeah,
0: it's it basically it's uh our tagline could be, everyone you hate all
1: the time. Exactly. Yeah, but we we love them. We do. All right, let's get to the questions. This is from our buddy ducalion He said, "Quick rundown of differences between DraftKings and FanDuel. Have you seen difference in skill of players between them?"
0: Well. I mean just, just anecdotally, I think that from twenty thirteen to twenty fourteen things got a lot sharkier on both sites. Yeah. Uh, and by that I mean it was like impossible to find soft like soft games, soft head to head head to heads, uh and the, the sharks were everywhere. So And 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 by sharks I mean I'm I'm not like I've never claimed to be a daily fantasy shark like I don't I don't go out there and put like millions on the line every week and have a a, a thousand games Uh, so I I was observing from the the viewpoint of not a shark which I guess makes me a fish and (laughs) so uh, uh, no but I don't think there's a difference in that in that regard on the sites now.
1: Yeah, and, and the only I mean, there's definitely a difference in general approach just because of roster construction and and uh, and the way in scoring, especially quarterback scoring. Uh, a little uh, preview of my presentation on Saturday: you want to spend more on quarterbacks on DraftKings, and you can get away with spending min price on FanDuel. That's just high level, high level stuff. Yeah, well, is basically the findings I, that I, I
0: remember uh, reading something last year where, especially with wide receiver, there was such. A small price difference between wide receiver like twos and fives that on Fanduel uh, compared to the that that price difference between those two categories on DraftKings that you really had to change your approach there as well.
1: Yeah. So yeah, there's definitely that kind of stuff as well. So this next one is from at Cyclone Rob. He said, "In t- ten-team standard scoring, should I keep?" Kelsey or Tannehill, both cost a fifteenth round pick.
0: Oh man, come on.
1: Yeah, Kelsey all day.
0: Kelsey, jeez.
1: Uh, this one is a question for JJ from at the underscore real underscore Kurt. How many MFLs did you do last year, and what was your first and second place finish rate? Um, I did forty MFL tens last year. How many did you do last year? You did some last year, right? I did
0: like I did like seven, and uh, uh, and then their uh, local Maryland lawmakers tried to pass a law saying that I could no longer do MFL 10s because they they were such garbage heaps by the end of the season.
1: (laughs) Um, So I did 40 of them last year. I won six and I got second in four, I believe. So it was, wasn't, I was better the year before, but it was still, it was still fine. Um, And then the same, or no, this is another guy. This is from at, Tendoshi he said I typically try to stream quarterbacks last year for the first time other league members did it too can you discuss how your process changes if at all when others in the in the same league are streaming
0: yeah i mean that that's what we were addressing earlier is that um you cannot have your mind set dead set on one approach no matter what i mean you have to see uh you have to see what's happening you know say say you get into the fourth round and no one's taking a quarterback and you and that's a, that's a clear a very clear sign that your league mates are are going going in on late round quarterbacks. So right. so that's when you can gain value when you cut cut against that grain. Right? right. You cut it. You exactly. cut against that grain. So you don't you don't you don't freak out and continue to go with what everybody's going with. It's like when it's like when there's a crazy um, tight end run in the middle rounds, which in casual leagues there's always an insane tight end run when people yeah. start panicking basically it's it's a full-out panic right um yeah. and that but that's when you cut you know that's when you go running back you go wide receiver or or some, you know, occasionally i guess quarterback but so if if, if you're if your league mates are going nuclear late round quarterback don't be afraid to not go uh, nuclear late round quarterback
1: exactly right exactly this next one is from at jared he said instead of dad running who are players a dad always roots for example we gotta get Rob Conrad the ball a lot more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, if we're being real, uh, just from my fo- football watching experience, which is mostly with old older white people, I mean, yeah. they just want the white guys to get the ball more,
1: right? Yeah, it's it's very true. Heath Miller's the Pittsburgh one that everyone would
0: want, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, John Riggins for you know is a god around the Washington right. area. Um, like, I think that if he Wanted to play right now that there would be like a, like an like an uprising of fans, uh, of old white fans who would be like, you make this guy our starting running back right now,
1: right? Basic and basically like any fullback like John Kuhn.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, guys who remind fans of themselves, right?
1: Right, right. So it depends on who you're who you're watching with and who you're you know. It's that's important. So it's but, like
0: it's like me with Danny Amendola, you know, with the right same right. person. So I get excited when he catches a five yard out route.
1: Right, and it's like me and Scott Chandler.
0: <laughs> are you what are you six seven or whatever? Scott. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it was the first guy that came to my head. All right, the next one is at C Rose Clutch. He said, or. Th- er, yeah, he said thoughts on going wide receiver heavy early because of their reliability and ability to get RB2 slash quarterback on waivers throughout the year. So yeah, that's fine. We talked about that earlier in the podcast. The one thing that I just want to say, it's so easy to do hindsight analysis with the zero RB approach. It really is. And and I mean Sean would even admit to this. It's it's a very it's a high risk, kinda of high reward kind of way of approaching fantasy. And Th- there's nothing wrong with that a lot of the bust rate stuff that i've done has matched up very strongly with with the work that he's done with zero rb i just think it's it's silly sometimes when people message uh, but both of us i'm sure and they're like why would i draft a running back when i can get justin Forsett off the waivers mm. but but like the the number of actual elite running backs that come off the waiver wires over the last 5 years there's been the 10th rounder later actually yeah. uh according to a study i did it basically you know elite elite running backs meaning they're in this very, very elite tier because there's always this elite tier every single season in fantasy football. They score so many more yeah. points than everyone else before it becomes a little bit more linear. Um, the only only three running backs, ha- or I think it's three, have come off the or from te- from round ten or later or off the waiver wire over the past five years and become one of those elite running backs. Yeah, it just it doesn't happen nearly as much as people think it does. No,
0: not no, not nearly, and. Um... Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, you can stash guys here and there and that's fine. Uh, but you know, just because you stash three, you know, three backups or three guys who only have a passing role, say, um, doesn't, you know, doesn't mean any, any will hit and, and now you've, now you've burned your late round picks on, on those guys. And, and I think that that sometimes hollows out your bench. Yeah,
1: absolutely um the next one is from at jake Zab. said which defenses should we be targeting in mfl 10s uh the answer to that is basically all of them yeah it's there's I mean, so
0: much variance
1: yeah you just just but make sure you're getting three and not two it's important to get three
0: yeah i mean even yeah even even you know defenses you think will be garbage just get them
1: yeah just get a third uh the next one's from the same guy. He said which tight end has the most value, ADP base, between Kelsey, Olsen, Bennett, and Cameron.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Um I mean I wouldn't say Cameron off the bat, but I, I think uh, well ben, no, no, I was gonna say Bennett, but no, he's in the sixth, so never mind. Yeah,
1: I'd say I'd say Cameron 'cause he's he's Yeah. He's got that upside and he's that late. Depends, you know, if Kelsey were to drop to the fifth, let's say, then I'm fine with that. Yeah. Uh this is um, at Bryant ATC, he said, how do you guys approach your rankings? How important is it to tier players at their positions?
0: I mean, we, we, do, we touched on tier on the,
1: yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there was enough gotten out of, out of that discussion to hopefully answer, but yeah, I mean, it's important, but I think there's a lot of other factors outside of like rankings that go into when you're drafting, you have to make sure that you have a, like a a good, flow with your team that you're not just going all upside or all floor. Uh, and you want you just you have to draft for position scarcity and you have to draft for how others are drafting in the room. So there's much more than just rankings. Tiers can help sure, but there's a lot more to it whenever you're drafting.
0: Yeah, I have to just getting back to camera for one second. I mentioned this on Twitter today. So you know, when 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 people talk about I like I look at offenses when I draft my fantasy team. I want guys from elite offenses. Well, that's nice. I mean that that's that's a nice thought. Right. But those you know, it's no secret that Indianapolis is an amazing, incredible offense. It's no secret right. that Green Bay is one, okay? Uh and 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 Denver and others, right? Um uh, it's it's the offenses that could be great that, right. that that we have to look at, right? So um so that and Miami strikes me as one. They just strike me as an offense that could be legit like top three or four type of offense judging by the efficiency and production that it had in the latter half of last year. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But those players don't have that incorporated into their ADPs yet. Now they might, but they don't have it yet. So, so yes, you can say all day, like I want Packers on my team. Okay. Well you're going to have to pay up. You're going to have to get Jordy in the first, you're going to have to get Cobb in the second. You're going to get, have to get Lacey in the first, right? You can't get all of them. Right,
1: right, right exactly. Yeah. It's all ba- it's baked into their ADP. So,
0: so identify offenses that could be great and then go after those players, like like maybe Giants and Dolphins. That's Those are the two teams that I see.
1: Yeah, that's good. Good advice. All right, this next question is from our, our friend TJ Hernandez. He said, rank from best to worst, waffles, French toast, pancakes.
0: Oh, good question. Okay, you go first.
1: Okay, number one. Oh, man. Okay. There's... Uh, I know pancakes are third. And I'm going to say French toast is first and waffles are second.
0: Okay, I'm going waffles because I had a phase in my life where I... In which I, I ate a waffle covered in peanut butter every morning for like 14 months. That
1: is. That, is that... So... Ladies and gentlemen, if you want really great hair, fourteen month long <laughs> diet of waffles and peanut
0: butter every morning. Yeah, it, it increases the protein in the hair follicles. Right, right. So, um, yeah. Well, and you know what? While we're on the hair thing, I got my hair cut by like a kid the other day, oh, wow. and because my girl was out of town, my my I'll call her my barber. She's really a stylist, but anyway, <laughs> she's out. Of, she's out of town, and I was desperately in need of a haircut so i went to this other place and like an 18 year old kid cut my hair and it's kind of a disaster so
1: well i i go to the i go to the uh greatest of clips to get my to get my cut. and uh every time i go to great clips i come home and i my wife has to basically cut part of my hair because they missed a spot <laughs>
0: <laughs> well uh you know you, you i think uh two a few things I don't out cheat myself on haircuts and a dental floss. You just cannot out. (laughs) That's fair. That's
1: very fair. Very fair. Uh, The next one is from at Konami QB. What sources of ADP data do you find to be the most helpful? Uh,
0: Fantasy football calculator shows, I think shows more of a general population of fantasy owners.
1: Yeah. People, people, people hate it. I mean, like there's some things that you obviously have to just take out of consider. Like Tim Tebow has a really high ADP because people are just trolling. But like, like, like I, it's important to see different sites. Like, don't just focus only on MFL ten ADP or MFL ADP because a lot of that skews dynasty, and a lot of the people that draft there are smarter than what you see on like ESPN and Yahoo. 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 Yes. <laughs> 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 whatever haircut. You're right. Uh, this is, next one's from at Spewalk. He said. How much does slight slight scoring bonuses affect player value slash drafting strategy? Can I take this one really quick?
0: Yeah, please do.
1: So I did an article on six point per touchdown pass versus four point per touchdown pass quarterback scoring, and the results were basically that nothing should change in your draft strategy, because while it changes your season-long outlook, from a week-to-week standpoint, nothing really changes. The quarterback will still score, because it's all relative, so whenever there's slight sc- whenever especially because you say slight scoring bonuses uh, there's it, it's it's not it's not big enough because it's all relative you know I think that you can make the argument maybe at wide receiver and running back just because um, you know 100 yard games don't happen as often but there's still it just at the end of the day it's not a big enough difference because everything's still relative to that position so no you're, you're not drafting any differently you're doing what you would normally do
0: yeah there are a few things that need to stop being said on fantasy twitter like like well, in a six-point touchdown, right, uh, right. a passing league luck in the first, obviously.
1: Right, in, in, and in a, in a PPR league,
0: and it, yeah, and that that needs to stop too.
1: Yes. The
0: thing, my Jarvis Landry hate, uh, does is not is is not quelled by by you saying by someone saying, uh, but in PPR, right? Well, no, it's still. Sorry, I mean, I mean, a uh, Rich Rebar did a fantastic study last year. Showing that the phrase in PPR should be eliminated from
1: our vocabularies,
0: right. in 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 most in the vast majority of circumstances, right. with with a few outliers. Yeah. So yeah. That, within, those, within the position, obviously, those two things they, they have to, end. you don't get you should, people should, analysts writers should not get any leeway for saying, uh, but six point touchdown passes, but PPR. No, they, 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 right. neither of those hold any water.
1: Right. Um. This next question is from at Xmas Mike. He said, "You're stuck on the ra- on a raft in the ocean. Which three players would you want to be stuck with?"
0: Can we just say people? I mean, I don't I don't know these players. No,
1: well, <laughs> I mean, I would definitely want to be with Alex Smith because he's going to use his his Jesus powers to get us back onto land.
0: Oh, I would say th- this is amazing. But I'm about to ha- make a second Rob Conrad reference. <laughs> And say that I would want him, I know he doesn't currently play, but uh, uh, I would want him on that raft because he swam like 14 miles. That's yeah, true. To save his own life, right? Good, I mean,
1: good point.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, in, incredible. So he, uh,
1: could, so he could swim and save his life and leave you on the raft.
0: Well, I mean, I was thinking I could just jump on his back and we could. Oh, work.
1: right, yeah, yeah. Like Rob Like Rob, the literal Rob, dolphin,
0: which he played for the dolphins, I remember. Rob
1: Conrad, the dolphin.
0: He blocked for uh, he blocked for uh, I want to say Bernie Parmalee. Do you, do you
1: remember Do you remember the the video game Echo the Dolphin? I uh, I don't. Oh my god! What what is wrong with you? I'm sorry. I, I'm Echo the Dolphin. Okay, probably- no, okay, all right. People listening, hit ups up at Live the Stream FF if you've ever heard or played Echo the Dolphin. You're gonna get zero response. I, no one's. I guarantee you I get more than zero. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee it. Alright, next next question, Denny, since you don't know Echo the Dolphin. This is from at Nevy J. He says, Do you guys advocate waiting on quarterback defense and tight end to stream based on opposition matchups? Funny you
0: say that. <laughs> because... is good.
1: This is from at uh, LMA one, IMA one. In auctions, do you go in with a budget per position or just go for values and see where it takes you? Uh, I don't I don't
0: I, I don't usually have budgets for a position.
1: Yeah, I usually don't either. you got to kind of be flexible, which is why they're, they're a lot of fun. Um, number one pick in a 10-team half PPR, is Le'Veon Bell too risky to take? This is from at BP McClellan.
0: No, I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't argue. I may not take him there, but I would not, I would not uh, say that someone is, has lost their mind by taking him
1: there. I, I've, I have Le'Veon number one overall. Um, the next one just because I'm a homer. No, no, I mean not really. This is from at Pigskin Prof. He said, Have you ever looked into stacking one by week? In my opinion, studs slash duds approached on steroids that could pay off in deeper leagues. that's like it's like a literally impossible thing to do. Because if you end up doing something like that, you're making the most the the, the least optimal decisions imaginable.
0: Yeah. I I just I feel like um Bye week obsession, uh, it can only lead to bad things. Yeah, it's Uh, it's ridiculous sometimes. uh, Yeah, I mean, I I can say with all honesty that I rarely, if ever, when I'm done with my draft, look at guys' bye weeks because everybody has them. And yes, maybe one week you're going to be just destroyed because you have four or five guys on bye week but so what? I mean, other people have to get through it too. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you're not terrible, you can you can make up for it. It, it. The the basing, I've never based a decision based on a bye week. Right,
1: right. That's it, it. Should never come down to that. Right. All right. Next question is from our buddy Rookie Blitz. Brian Fontaine. He said, "Does Brian Quick warrant a first round consideration?"
0: Oh man, I'm on Quick. I'm on Quick, Brian. Oh. Brian, I, I I need you. I need you to. Uh, no, actually, I don't need you to pump up his ADP. I like him where he is. But yeah, I I actually think that that whole St. Louis passing attack is basically just free, just sitting out there for free. You have Britt, who's still somehow twenty six years old. By the way,
1: I, not but, wait, not Is he? He's younger than I mean, he's, is he younger than Matthew Stafford? Uh,
0: maybe the same I age. Thought, I didn't I,
1: think anyone was younger than Matthew Stafford.
0: Well, people you know, people forget that uh, uh, Ke- that Kenny Britt is uh fourteen years younger than Kelvin Benjamin.
1: Right. And they also forget that Kenny Britt's grandpa, you know who that is? Brandon Whedon. Uh, Brandon,
0: right, there you go. Another Whedon grandpa joke. Um, but so I, I actually I'm kind of like uh sheepishly bullish, if that's a thing, on the St. Louis This passing. is what's
1: happening right now. I,
0: I, yeah i mean you i mean you're gonna kill me for this because it's jeff fisher and jeff fisher hates points
1: he does he hates everything that he hates anything that's good
0: but this is really banking on him being fired at mid-season don't you get <laughs> okay, it right right right. right right right. come on i
1: i usually bake that into their adps though i, I never...
0: yeah i mean i think that we can just make uh, i have a an algorithm of coach a fire fire coach algorithm right
1: and and and, 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 and but, but jeff fisher never gets fired is the problem
0: Right. Well, I, I just redid the, the calculation. It's actually uh, 2027 when he gets fired. So never mind.
1: Right. Yeah. Forget all that. Uh, the next question is at JP Gibbs. He said, I love a player, but where I pick is above his value. If I wait, he will be gone. When is reaching acceptable? I mean, it sounds like that you would be waiting like a round. That's perfectly fine.
0: Yeah, and and you know what? If, if when I feel really strongly about a player, um, i.e., David Wilson, circa uh, two years ago, um, I'm fine Wilson reaching Wilson. a little bit. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's that.
1: fine to reach a little bit. Just don't get so arrogant that you're reaching on every pick because you're going to be wrong.
0: Right, and I mean, look how look how the David Wilson thing ended up. Per, you know, perfectly, just perfectly. Yeah.
1: It's, yeah. Now he's now he's running track. Uh, the next one is from at JG Buffs. He said, "Do you treat QBs the same in a point per completion league?" Okay, it's the same same deal that we talked about before with the changes in scoring. Doesn't doesn't change at all. Uh, the next one is at oh my gosh, this is some sort of French name, at Fosha seventy. I have a, <laughs> I have a late first round pick. Thinking about going wide receiver, wide receiver. Then depending on who's available, thoughts. I think we we talked about that a little bit. Are you, would you be okay? You're okay with going wide receiver, wide receiver, right?
0: Yeah, because I mean, like, it's it's really tough to, for me to turn down like a Jordy Calvin start. I just, that's just, you know, even, even, you know, 14 games from Calvin and 16 from Jordy or vice versa. I mean, that, I just feel like that, that gives you all the safety and crazy upside.
1: Yeah. Uh we have a ton more, so we'll go through these really quick. This is at LaTeX Salesman Seven. Ten team PPR draft. If going with stars and scrubs approach, how much do you spend on studs on a two hundred dollar budget? Uh usually if it's a, if it's a ten team draft, you're spending on the stars at most sixty dollars. Um, really? I was
0: gonna say something like eighty.
1: Yeah, it's you I mean if it's like a fourteen teamer you can spend about eighty, but a ten teamer is that's just, I mean, you can, you can get away with 60. Yeah. Uh, this is at JP Gibbs again. He said, I pick running back, running back third round. There is still a good running back that slips. Do I take him and worry about the wide receiver need later? Yes. Yes. You can totally start three running backs. Next one at bitter Packer fan PPR league. If you're targeting Arian Foster or Deandre Hopkins, do you avoid the other? Yes. Avoid Arian Foster.
0: <laughs> Uh, But no, I mean, before, yeah, no, I I, I don't, I don't avoid guys on the same offense. I like, like, I I don't, I don't, I try not to say, well, you know what? Uh, If player X gets his, then player Y won't get his.
1: I I might, I, I, the only time that I might do that is if it's a situation like Houston had with Arian Foster and Hopkins, because it's not a a strong enough offense to really like week in week out. Like if it's, if it's Green Bay, sure. Like I'll have Jordy and Eddie Lacey. That's fine. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, but but uh, like for me, um, I've ended up with Andre Johnson and and Dante Moncrief and a, and a few yeah, uh, yeah Mon- that's fun, and or 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 Hilton if he's if he's there kind of later than usual, and, and Moncrief and so you know I I know I don't really have a problem with that.
1: Yeah, um, this one we're gonna have to do this really quick. This is at ESF three hundred four CMS. He said last pod you guys said Stars and Scrubs for auction drafts, but didn't elaborate. What do you prefer, stars and scrubs to balance? Why do you prefer it? It's it, it has everything to do with kind of the replaceability of those middle rounds and fantasy drafts. Basically, I mean, you're, whenever you're whenever you're spending a balanced budget, you're not getting the the actual guys who are making a difference in fantasy football.
0: Right. To consider it like like cashing in your sixth and seventh and eighth round picks for. For the stars.
1: Right, yeah, exactly. You're getting rid of the, the junk in the middle rounds, and you're all... The, now like, Because the bust rates and the in the rate of hitting, let's say, in the ninth round is very similar to what you would get in the 14th round. So because of that, why would you want to spend the, the price of a ninth round whenever you can just spend a 14th round price?
0: Yeah, that's well said.
1: Uh, the next one is from at Paul D. Cronin. If one takes LaDarius Green in the 13th, can he fast-forward... Tight end discussion during podcasts for first four weeks. What? Yeah, you can listen to Living the Stream if you... I don't understand that question.
0: <laughs> I don't either. But but I mean, I still I actually think Ladarius Green's ADP is still really great. Uh, because I think that there's another guy who has hurt the feelings of so many fantasy owners that people are like, whatever. But I, if I can get him in the 13th, please, yes. Yes, I'm doing right. it.
1: So just because of time, I don't think we're going to be able to get to all these. So I'll just kind of uh, – because I'm, I'm not kidding you. We still have like 50 more.
0: My god, the people are hungry. They're, they're so thirsty and hungry.
1: Yeah, so we'll try to answer them uh, individually if you guys hit us up on uh, on, on Twitter. Um, but I'll just kind of kind of take Yeah. I, a couple more, I guess.
0: I, I won't answer. I'm just going to send you pictures of corn.
1: Yeah, that's a great that's, – that's good. Um, let's see. This is a good one to end on. This is from at Lana underscore F13. Lana the waitress, which will help me cope with fantasy football season best therapy, cocaine, or setting everyone I know who plays fantasy football on fire?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's Lana, Lana the waitress. Uh, she is a, I believe, she is a, a parody account. Of a very obscure character from Friday the Thirteenth Part Five: The New Beginning.
1: Wow. So okay, Lana. My
0: bad. So that's okay. She she's okay. She's probably so high right now. She doesn't even she doesn't care how you pronounce her name. <laughs> um, so the question was: How do you get through fantasy football season?
1: Yeah. Cocaine. It was. It was. Do you do you uh, do therapy? Cocaine or setting everyone you know on fire? That plays.
0: I would say. I, I would say you start with with the cocaine, and then you and then you resort to the fire. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Good, good call. And we deserve it. We deserve it. Good
1: so. call. All right. So that does it then for this episode. That went longer than expected, just because people for some reason want to ask us questions thirsty we'll try we'll try to, we'll try to I'll, I'll hit up the uh the twitter account and try the the living the stream one and try to answer some of them as much as i can uh just because we generally try to go through all of them it's just getting yeah. out of hand time wise so denny why don't you tell everyone where they can find you
0: yeah uh at cd carter 13 on twitter um check out uh draft dot uh if you get a chance uh we have a a, a really great dfs newsletter um that is at its lowest price of the season right now. If you want to sign up, um, and, uh, and if you have, a, uh, have something that will get in the way of your draft, we can draft for you. Boom. For a small fee. So draftdayconsultants.com.
1: Sweet. And I'm JJ Zacharies, and You can find my stuff over at numberfire.com. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at late round QB. All right, Danny, you ready to go? We haven't gotten milkshakes recently.
0: No, but I, I'm gonna I, let me get my hat so you don't see my hair, and then we'll um, go. Okay, that sounds good.
1: Sounds good. All right, All right guys, thanks for lifen- li- listening. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, thanks for listening. I hope Ruffle Wilson is listening. Ruffle. Hope R- Ruffle Wilson better be listening right now. <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for
0: listening to Live in the Stream. We hope you enjoyed the Internet Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes now, it won't take long, it's fast. For more fantasy football info, check out lakegroundcubing.com. Hope you come back soon as we share about the teams and as
1: we live, live in the streets.